Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 183. In this episode, we chat about adding ad reports on HubSpot dashboards, avoiding template gotchas, and whether you need to prepare for CCPA. You're listening to HubShots, the podcast for marketing managers and sales professionals who are using HubSpot. Hosted by myself, Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really good. How are you, Ian? You, Excellent. You've had a long day, haven't you? It feels like that. Yeah, we need to go and get dinner after this, don't we? That's correct. Well, Craig, on to our growth thought of the week. You know, I just wanted to say I'm trying to get to use LinkedIn more. So am I, actually. Not necessarily to sell or, you know, even for Mark, because we've done paid marketing through LinkedIn, but I'm just trying to get connections with people. I think that's going to be my network Yes, for connecting with people, because as you know, I'm not on Facebook. I avoid Instagram. I just lurk on Twitter. I kind of lurk on LinkedIn. I'm actually going to try and use it to connect with people, come out of my shell a bit. So with that in mind, I've put both our personal LinkedIn profiles, not the HubShots one, but our personal LinkedIn profiles in Shot One show notes. So uh, and yeah, if you're connecting, tell us you listen to the show. Yeah, connect with us because I would like. I get so many connections, which I kind of accept a lot of them. We're random people just connecting and then they just want to sell me stuff. Correct. I'd much rather connect with our listeners so that if they've got a question, you know, just ask a question. I'd love to be helping people on LinkedIn rather than kind of batting away people trying to sell me stuff that is not a fit at all. That's right. <laughs> I agree with you, Craig. So yes, listeners connect with us. We'd love to hear from you guys. All right, Craig, on to our marketing feature of the week, hot off the press. Well, before we get to your nice find with the ads reports, uh, this announcement that HubSpot's increased the number of workflows you can have in an enterprise portal from 500 to 1,000. First of all, I didn't know there was a limit. So, Well, you know what? I didn't know there was a limit until I saw that message in my portal. Yeah. It, it's, I wonder, well, I'm assuming the limit was there and they have increased it because people have been hitting the limit. And so they've probably gone, oh, we need to increase this. I would love to know how many portals are hitting the limit. I'd love to know the telemetry on this. Obviously, HubSpot all, has all of this. Like, I'd love to see some of those portals. If that someone needs 600, 700 workflows. Like, I was looking at our portal, and I think ours is pretty complex. I run a bunch of businesses out of it. Yes. Uh, that, you know, my wife and my Correct. own businesses. And I was like, well, we've got about 200 workflows yep. in our portal, and we're pretty complex, pretty sophisticated. I'd love to see some of these big ones that need more than 500. I'd love to see them, not only the breakdown. But, but how they're using How it. complex they yes. are. Because some of the portals we go into with our bigger clients, uh, when we take over portals, they're like massively complex workflows, all this branching, all kinds of things going on. Like, wow, how does someone maintain this? And that's something that we look at with our, well, we've got a HubSpot health check audit service that we do. I'd love to get a sense of some of these big ones. I would love to know HubSpot's workflows. You know, I'd almost yes. take a job at HubSpot just so that I could peek into their workflows and get a sense of how, because they've got, not only would they have so many across all their regions, but they'd have them for years. That's right. I would like to go in chronological order and go back to some of their workflows that they first created years ago, right at the start, and just see how that's changed. I think that would be fascinating to see the evolution of how they've used workflows. Yeah, absolutely right, Craig. Anyway, that was just the first little feature, the increase, but you found... That's right. And I was doing this because I have been doing a lot of paid advertising for customers lately. 
And I was thinking, well, they're using, and actually they were, they're on marketing starter. So we went, oh, I wonder what reports there are, because I could never find any reports. Like every, every time someone asked you about ads, you'd have to go to the ads tool. Anyway, I found some reports. So I'm like, oh, here we go. Now, mind you, four out of the six uh, reports, actually all the reports are to do with social, social ads. The other two actually talk about uh, ad campaigns with cost per click and cost per contact. And that runs across Google ads, LinkedIn, and Facebook ads. And you'll see that data in a table. But the four that I want to highlight is they have four reports, which is ad impression by social network, ad clicks by social networks, ads attributed contacts by social network, and ad ads attributed customers by social network. And you know what? I've put them on the dashboard to to show them. And I think it's actually useful, especially if you're running lots of social ads. I think this is really good. And I'd love to know if this has been here for a while. We should ask George. I, Th- we should ask George B. Thomas. <laughs> we find these things and then we check with other people and they go, oh, no, that's been there for ages. Like I remember one thing I found. I was so excited. I was like, oh, we put it in the um, HubSpot WhatsApp thread. And Charles said, no, no, I've had that for months. I was like, oh, I just must have missed it. There's so many good things that we miss it. But this does ring a bell. Remember when they were moving, they were changing up the social reports and they were moving some of the stuff out of the social tool and then they were just making some reports. And they, I think they added some. They also, um, what's the word when they get rid of stuff? Um, Grandfather. Grandfather. No. Sunset. Sunset. Yeah. Sunset report just means they got rid of them. So I wonder if that was around the same time they started bringing some of the ad ones in. Yeah. Because I've been looking for ad stuff in the reports. I should really call these widgets. I wish they were reports. <laughs> I know. I always have to catch myself. Are, I think of a report as a solid full exactly. page thing. Yeah. So anyway, regardless, I think this is valuable. So if you are using HubSpot and you are running social ads, I would go and add this to your dashboard. We should just call it in the show report widgets. Report add widgets. these report widgets to Correct. your dashboard. I exactly. think that's much makes much more sense. Let's go on to the HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And I wanted to highlight snippets. And we've done this a few times. Snippets are so good. We, what do we love? Lead forms. They're now called pop-up forms. Remember, Correct. always come with that. Exactly. Snippets is like our... Next current favorite. Absolutely. And why I want to highlight this, been training a few customers this week. And one of the features that always stands out and the people are like, wow, can we do that? Can we, can we use it this way? I'm like, yes, you can. So the whole thing is you want to save time writing emails and maybe even standardize your responses for certain things across the team. So snippets are available to everyone. And it's really about creating a shortcut. So one of the examples I've given you before is that you can use a snippet in a task, for example. So one of the sales team was sending, uh, need to send a task to someone in accounts. We need to create an account for this customer. They have to give them their ABN and give them a couple of other details, which they can collect in HubSpot. I said, well, how do you do that? So then they've got to go to ABR cut and paste the ABN, then find the other details. I, said, I remember this one, yeah. I said, why don't I just create a snippet for you where you can put a task to that person in accounts and you just go, can you please create an account for blah, here it is, and it'll pre-fill the ABN, it'll pre-fill all the details. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. And so that's a really perfect example of how to use a snippet really well when you're using the system. Now, the other thing to note here is someone said, oh, can I use that in my email? Most of our clients use uh, Google Mail. 
So it is there. It's a bit hidden. And so I put a screenshot in the notes because people see documents, sequences, and a few other things, but they don't realize snippets is hiding in this more menu and it can be used. So it's a great place to utilize it. And think about ways that you can help your team respond quicker and bring consistency to your business. I really like it. I think we should add a new shot each week called Reminder of the week, which is just one, use pop-up forms well, two, use snippets wherever you can. And use lead ads. And lead ads. Oh, now we've got three things. That was the bonus tip, Craig. Bonus tip right there. All right. So this is the HubSpot extra of the week, Craig, and we're going to talk about CCPA. And there's a good overview video from Kyle. Yes. Thank you, Kyle. Now, Craig... For those of us that don't know what CCPA is, would you like to elaborate? Yeah, so very quickly I'll summarize it. And I think we talked about this in uh, a show halfway through the year with, that it was coming. It was coming. So if you think of everyone knows GDPR, which was, I'll just call it the privacy apocalypse thing that had to be added, uh, very European focused. CCPA is the California Consumer Privacy Act. And you'll probably see it referred to as GDPR for the US. Now, I'll say the US because it only applies to California, although it may other states may adopt it. But I think a number of companies are going to say, look, we're going to support uh, CCPA all across America, the Americas. So it, it's kind of the American version of GDPR. However, it's a lot less stringent. And so this overview by Kyle, it's a seven minute video. He just walks you through and of course, watch it at 1.5 or two times. Like you should watch all videos and listen to all podcasts. And by the way, we had someone leave us a comment the other day. <laughs> we that did. Said, by the way, I listened to your podcast at one time speed. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who is this person? Who is this? Anomaly? I don't know. But you said, I think your wife listens to them at she one. She does. She likes to absorb. <clears throat> yeah. Take, anyway, I, I digress. You can watch this in four minutes is what I'm saying. Kyle's overview of CCPA. It's worth doing. I've included a slide from his video about it because it doesn't apply to everyone like GDPR did apply to everyone. It was very- It does. It does apply to everyone. Yes. It's not like you kind of was so small that you wasn't apply. CCPA is a bit more realistic, I would say, in terms of the businesses. So they have to be certain size, revenue sizes, certain number of database sizes. And so I'm not going to – well, I've got a slide in the show notes. I don't know if I want to mention them because they may change, but I think they're a guide. But to give you a a sense, it's like multi-million dollars, like $25 million revenue companies this applies to. So if you're a small business, you don't necessarily have to panic like you kind of had to for GDPR. One thing that I found interesting on this uh, slide about who CCPA applies to was it says derives more than 50% of annual revenue from selling consumers' personal information. Right. And Kyle makes a good comment about that. He says, oh, just don't do that. (laughs) So that helps you out. But, you know, there are information brokers. Like that's a big business and... You're absolutely right, Craig. And uh, did you listen to this week's episode of Pivot? the Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher podcast. I did listen to one. Where they talked about how data that people are selling data for uni enrollments in order to match people, whether they qualify. And really? Oh, it's just shocking what's going on wow. in terms of unis, you know, targeting people and yes. who, they'll, who they will let enroll and all this kind of thing. So data selling and data usage is such a key part of business. I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Mm. In fact, I think it's a bad thing in many ways, but- 
it's just so the norm it's now. It's prevalent. So that, yes. that criteria on CCPA is going to apply to a lot of companies. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot Gotcha of the Week. Now, this is, uh, let me just say, a new acquisition of HubSpot, PySync. We mentioned it in passing last episode about HubSpot acquiring PySync, which is an integration tool. So think of it as Zapier, but contact-centric. I mean, I think it fits very well with HubSpot. It's integrating them with other platforms. Did you know HubSpot's a platform company, Ian? Yeah. I did, Craig. Wow. How did did I miss that? No, I didn't. A bit of an in-joke. Sorry, listeners. But anyway, PySync is this integration tool, which I thought, great. Because Yeah, which I've also tried in the past and I'm thinking about right. trying again. Now, the, the thing that infuriates me about it is their login process. Yep. Have, have you tried this lately? I haven't tried it lately, Craig, and I, I don't recall it doing what it does now when I tried it a few months ago. I'll just recap the, the user experience for you. So you sign up. Whenever you log in, you put your email address in. Next, then it emails you a code which you have to go over to email, find the code and either click or put in the code back in the PySync login to log in. So there's no password? There's no password. Right. Now, there are options you can log in with LinkedIn or Google, which we don't want to do. Yep. It's infuriating. Anyway, this is such a hurdle. I I can't – anyway, I've been backwards and forwards complaining with their support and their arts for security and, you know, their other options. It's just like this is so ridiculous. It's such a bad experience especially for agencies and for our clients, right? So we'll say to a client, I set up the PySync account. Like, well, actually, we're not going to say that because we're just not going to use PySync for this this single reason. But normally it's Zapier, right? We'll say, oh, yeah, set up the Zapier account. Just send us the logins. We'll set up your Zaps for you, right? So can you imagine they send us that and like, uh, every time we want to log in, you're going to get an email with a code. Can you, can you forward that code us? for us so that we can log in with you? That's just infuriate. It's just so unworkable. Surely just use two-factor authentication or some other means. But we, as an agency, we store clients' passwords. We use LastPass. We're very, we've got a very strong process around it. And most staff don't have access to all the passwords. It's just shared on it. You know, so we're very careful. That's the way we work it for clients. This seems like such a bad process. Before we proceed, tell me the reason you do not log in using, say, Facebook or Google if that's available. So, well, in PySync's case, when you log in with that account, actually the zaps are, are not the zaps or whatever, they are connection things. The syncing. They're yeah. actually to that login. So, even though you have other team members, they don't see the shared oh, um, connections within right. that account. Right. And we would never want to log in with LinkedIn because then that's my, let's exactly, say my yes. LinkedIn yep. login. I want to share that with the team. Correct. And clients want to share these kinds of things uh, with us. So... Username Unless and password. Unless it supports multiple logins. Right. Yeah. And, well, a, a number of tools don't. So Zapier Correct. doesn't. We have yes. one, you know, normally the client gives us access. Now, yep. of course, if a tool does give access and many of our other tools do, whether we can just share permissions, of course, we would use that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just I just don't understand why they've gone down this path. They've got a whole knowledge base article. I'm sorry, I've totally jeopardized. I totally hijacked this thing. I'm so infuriated by this. <laughs> I could tell, Craig. I know. You're and I was just like, this is the. I just thought it was such a good tool that would answer a lot of the problems that we've got with syncing for clients. Yes. And we're just not going to use it. And my all my team agree. They're just like, this is unusable. Yeah. Wow. Like, I just don't get it. Anyway. Well, that's it. I mean, that's interesting. Now that you've explained it, it actually makes more sense to me. So it's a good point. So look, I hope the HubSpot acquisition quashes this ridiculous 
process. HubSpot should come Don't in. Don't actually if you're listening to this. Yeah, can that, you please say, fix Look, that? You realize you realize where this is an agency tool. You know, it's just not going to work, folks. Just get rid of that malarkey. <laughs> All right, adding rich text modules onto templates, Craig. Now here's a gotcha for you as to why you need to just set them up correctly. All right, so got caught out by this. This is such a face palm. We've got thank you pages and download pages, and I actually sent one of our offerings to Daniel Bershey. And I've said, <laughs> hey, Daniel, by the way, um, if you and I said, oh, you know, I've got this new service we're going to offer. Yeah, I would be interested in your feedback. You know, what do you think of it? And he sent a ton of great feedback. Thanks so much. Yeah, so right. He said, oh, but do you realize that um, on your thank you page, when you sign up to, you know, inquire about it, there's a big chunk of text that says- Tell the reader something powerful. <laughs> yeah, you know, that default. I was like, oh no, face palm. <laughs> so what's happened is we've had this template, you know, in place yes. and then someone has needed to add a bit more content yes. to the thank you page for a specific circumstance. Yep. So go into the template. Oh, I'll just pop in a rich text <laughs> module there. No worries. But it's because it's got all the default all the text. Default, yes. And of course, every page based on that template suddenly sprouting this something powerful. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Anyway, so that's the gotcha. Not a HubSpot product problem, a user. I, I, found, I found the problem and it's, it's between the chair and the keyboard. I found the problem. Anyway, the, the, to overcome the gotcha, folks, whenever you're putting any text-based kind of modules on a yes. template, just clean out the text or exactly. set it to very default words that wouldn't matter if they appear. Exactly, yeah. All right, Craig, marketing tip of the week. And I wanted to highlight this about resending emails to get a better open rate. And I've given you an example here. It's just a customer we've just moved uh, onto HubSpot. And I was telling and – and they had an open rates of about 25 30%, thinking, oh, I think we can do better than this. Anyway, we've sent out some campaigns, done a bit of segmentation and so on. But essentially what we did was – we were able to really easily, and if you don't know this, you should be using this in HubSpot, is create an active list in HubSpot where you can use the criteria of someone received the particular marketing email but did not open it and create that list. Then what we did was we cloned the email that we originally sent, we changed the subject slightly, and we then resent that to this new list in essence. And what we got was, so in the first email sent, I'll just pick one one figure we got. We had a 36% open rate, right? Which is pretty good. Yep. And then I thought, hey, I can do better than this. And then I resent it about three days later with a slightly different uh, subject to the unopened list. And I got another almost 22%. That little action has driven so much more sales and engagement. It's been amazing. So I just wanted to highlight this because people are probably not doing this and it's a really good way to get in front of people because sometimes people will see things or see your email, they might not actually look at it. Whereas if you send it a few days later, they might actually have time to look at it because I know for a fact, like once my email box goes past what, a couple of days, like I don't go back to look at anything. So I know like Gmail now uh, resurfaces things like after three or five days says, oh, do you want to respond to this or should you respond to this because it's using the smarts behind the system. So it's good. Like if you often will forget to reply to something or attend to something, it'll highlight that. But this is a really good way in your email marketing to actually get in front of people and get them engaged with your content. This is really good. And I agree with you because people's behaviors – uh, look, I just didn't have time there, so it just flew by. So I didn't, 
a lot of them get put in subfolders anyway, so that oh, I didn't have time to check my subfolders and view all those things. And I think this is a much better process than initially putting time into A-B testing. You know how people will say, oh, we're going to A-B test subject lines. Oh, we're going to A-B test when we send it, things like that. I feel, well, sure, with a large enough number of recipients, you can probably statistically get some confidence in the best time or the best subject line. But part of me just thinks, well, no, everyone's different and something was happening that day. They just didn't get to open it. So resend it. And so they get it another time and maybe it's a different subject line. But chances are it's not because the subject line changed that they opened it. It's the fact that you sent it at a different time and that time they just did have time to open it. So I guess my point is do these resends rather than sweating, you know, the subject line um, so much uh, as well because I think the numbers speak for themselves. Like, in fact, don't change the subject line when you resend it and you still get this big open rate from people who didn't open that first time. So it kind of proves it wasn't the subject line that was the problem. It was just what they happened to be doing. People have lives. Who knew? Yeah, and another thing I do try is if, um, say, maybe we do a second time and we then try a third time. We, so we, again, create another list off that second email that people that received it but didn't open it. My third attempt is actually sending a plain text email to that unopened list and then getting a further open rate. Oh, right. So what's the, why, what do you think is the benefit of plain text? I just find sometimes it gets through, so or it might not be marked as marketing. Oh, really? So, so people then tend to read, yeah, deliverability changes. Okay, I'd like to see some stats around that. because Let's, let's test and measure that, Craig. Yeah, well, how would you test and measure that? So you'd have to do two different emails, one normal and one plain Correct. text, yep. same subject line, sent yep. at the same time exactly. to a large enough size to check. Yeah, I'd love to see that. All right, I did want to highlight one other thing is um, one of our favorite email newsletters, Morning Brew, which I read this morning. And this is something I talked about last time. They start off the email by saying, good morning, you know, we hope you're staying warm during this icy weather because it's obviously getting icy in the US. Sometimes email spam filters leave our newsletters out in the cold, right? (laughs) A plus transition. Uh, To make sure the brew is hitting your inbox every day, please make sure you move us to your primary inbox if you use Gmail, add us to your VIP list if you use Apple Mail, add us to your favorites if you use Outlook, or some combination of the above if you use anything else. Thanks. This clearly demonstrates to me that people are being affected as email programs start to funnel and decipher what's going on. The fact that one of our favorite newsletters that we read every day is saying this would indicate to me that something's changing. I think whenever I read those things, I'm kind of like, I just get a bit despondent because Morning Brew, I think they've got more than a million people on their daily email list. So very popular, very eager uh, audience, and even they're having problems with this. So it kind of makes me think like, oh, how can we possibly expect to? And so, yeah, if they're saying, oh, move the inbox. Well, I guess we, we could ask people to do that, but it, ju- it just highlights it's a problem. People are busy. Too many things. That's right. All right, Craig, inside of the week, being a better versions of ourselves. Oh, look, I wrote a blog post about that, which I've linked to. So I just wanted to mention this. It came up in conversation. I often say to clients when we're kind of doing coaching, marketing coaching, I say two things. One, people want to be better versions of themselves. That's why they buy. They buy something because they want to be a better version of themselves. They want to be super. But likewise, we want to be better marketers. And so part of my job, I feel as 
you're paying me to do marketing and coach you and train you is to make you a better version of yourself as a marketer. Just as I have a coach for our business and I want to be a better version of myself as a business owner, et cetera, et cetera. So you get the idea. And here's the insight around it. Being a better version of yourself is an incremental process. So as marketers, it's about incremental improvement. So every day, well, every day, but regularly, you should be trying to do a little piece of your job a little bit better. And the reason I'm saying this to people is because they get swayed by these rock stars you know, the rock star ninja marketer that's we're seeing so much out there. And they just, it's just rubbish most of the time. But even if we look at some, say Gary Vaynerchuk and you see his big impact and you kind of think, ah, oh, you know, we've got to be making big impact. It's like, no, just continual incremental improvement as a marketer is all you need to do because that compounds and you'll get better and better over time. It just compounds making you. So be a better version of yourself as a marketer. That's what you should strive for. Compare yourself to yourself yesterday, not to Gary Vaynerchuk or whoever. Well said, Craig. All right, podcast of the week, Craig. Marketing from the trenches. Shout out to our mate Will Wang uh, from Growth Labs and his podcast. I was listening to one this morning. He's interviewing a guy around Facebook. Yeah, lots of good takeaways. Encourage you guys to listen to that. All right, we've got a resource of the week. Basecamp have released a free personal version for you to use. Have you ever used Basecamp? I did. Back in the day. Yeah, I did back in the day. We don't use it for our agency, but I do love it as a user experience. I am actually using it for a client now because they use it with somebody else. So, Yeah, well, it's a really good tool. Yeah, I liked it. it is, I like the experience. Good. Well, the, the reason this is resource of the week because they've just announced the freemium tier. Well, it's actually not even freemium. It's free. It's free, yes. It's so, free for freelancers. Well, you get three projects. Oh, you get three projects. Yeah, three, anyone can use it. Three Correct. projects. And they actually, uh, DHH, yes. one of the co-founders, he yep. actually on Twitter, because I follow him on Twitter, was just saying, you know, we're, we're just giving this a go. We yep. might lose out, might not work. We know we're not a huge VC-backed thing with tons of cash to, you know, just burn our way to that. We're going to give it a go and see if it works. We hope people like the experience and then in their companies upgrade to use an, a paid version. He's really up front. This is what we're doing, right? So try it out because, I, you know, I, I really like what they stand for. And and I really like the product. Um, I think they are a bit of an outlier in success. They are. So a lot of people say, oh, I just want to adopt the Basecamp way. And I've read their books and I love their books. But I'm just like, you know, I think you're you're an outlier. This doesn't work for everyone. You, you're, the, you're the exception to the rule. And good on you guys because you're obviously really smart. But, yeah, it's almost like survivor, survivor bias. But, there. but, yeah, great tool. All right, now to our quote of the week, Craig, from Henry Forward. Coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success. There you have it. I, I, I didn't want to say anything. I can't add to that. That's excellent. Well, you know what? After a week, so listeners, if you didn't know, we've, been, we've had some pretty bad fires in Australia, uh, bushfires, and there have been lots of great volunteer firefighters fighting bushfires and you know, you see people come together from all sorts of communities. Yeah, and, shared purpose. Yeah, yeah shared purpose. So. Yeah, thank you to all our fireys out there. Amazing job. Yeah, just wonderful. Well, Craig, there are some bonus links in the show. We'd love you to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Connect with us on LinkedIn too. Yes, connect us with us on LinkedIn. That'd be fantastic. And until the next episode. Catch you later, Ian. See you, Craig. And remember to use snippets. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. 
For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.